Today's episode of Daily DVR is brought to you by our presenting sponsor, CuffLinks.com. Head over to CuffLinks.com right now. Use code DVR20 and save 20% off your order. Now listen, the Delta's out there. COVID's still around. We know that. But people are going outside. You can be safe. And if you're going to be outside and you're going to be safe, you know what you're going to be doing? Looking good because you went to CuffLinks.com. Whether you're getting married, going to a wedding, you want some nice fall accessories, okay? And when I say accessories, I don't just mean, oh, that's a nice little thing there. How about some Star Wars? How about some Marvel, some DC, some Game of Thrones? Cufflink has all the greatest high-end accessories that you could want if you want to look good. And they have the fun stuff, too. All the stuff that I mentioned, All the geeky stuff that we love. So head over to cufflinks.com, use code DVR20, save 20% off today. Thank you, Cufflinks. Cufflinks.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Impeachment American Crime Story, brought to you by Daily DVR. Today, we're going to be covering episode five. Do you hear what I hear? And Gina has an alternate title, which do you want me to say or do you want it to say it, Gina? I t- my alternate title is Linda Tripp is the devil and Bill Clinton's lawyer likes to shoot angels. Holiday special. <laughs> no. <laughs> the holiday special. <laughs> Uh, yes, this was some episode. And hey, you heard Gina's voice. And of course, you heard another voice there. And if you recognized it, you are a good podcast listener because you know legendary podcaster Matt Murdick is here with us. What's happening, Matt? Legendary, quite obscure. That's the way that usually goes. Merry Christmas, everybody. <laughs> Merry uh, Christmas. Best Christmas episode ever if you're Ebenezer Scrooge. Oh, my uh, gosh. Gee whiz, man. Uh, and happy new year, not for everybody except oh. Monica and Bill and everybody else. Yep. Let's break out this. Ag- oh. oh, wait a second. I shouldn't have said that. Um, oh. Matt, <laughs> yeah, Matt, I know uh, what you're going to say <laughs> kid show. Um, Matt, we have been talking about this show for, you know, about a month now. Um, and I asked you, Hey, do you want to come on? Cause I know that you are a person who was paying attention. I think though, you'll probably say you weren't paying that great attention, but I know you're very smart. So I think you know about this historically. Um, oh, careful Axel. You're, you're yeah. about to make yourself sound a fool. <laughs> I'm sorry. I complimented you. I, I, I think so. And I think that uh, you're also great with TV and you had not been watching. You caught up, I think, last week. Mm -hmm. So I would love to hear your own if you're really only kind of like seven days in or so. Right. What is your overall impression of this show so far through five episodes? And then we can get in, you know, any specifics you have. And then we'll kind of dive into the episode. Okay. Well, Axel, first of all, thank you for, you know, inviting me on the show because, and Gina, it's great to talk to you as well, but it's, I wasn't going to do this. You, when you first texted me, I said, oh man, I just spent a whole summer 
doing historical drama with the crown. I don't know if I want to get back into that or not. And uh, then I thought, oh, I'll give it a shot. What the heck? It's amazing in the last week how this show has really grabbed me. I watched the first episode. I immediately had to watch the second episode after that. Right after that, I ended up watching the third episode when I should have been sleeping and then uh, woke up the next morning and watched the fourth episode uh, and was caught up more or less. Well, I take that back. I, I think I had to wait till that night to watch the fourth episode because I was caught up by the time that it was airing on Tuesday night. Uh, but the idea of the fact that this particular show, as compared to The Crown, and everybody loves The Crown, I understand it's award-winning and everything like that. I had a lot of trouble sometimes with Peter Morgan playing with the time and, and maybe emphasizing the drama a little bit too much. This show is very well-rounded in the fact that it gives you at least an empathy for each and every character. Now, uh, sympathy is another story because I have little to no sympathy for, for Linda Tripp. But uh, as far as everybody else, you can at least understand uh, why some decisions might have been made. And you can also forgive any dramatization of anything because it feels real. You know, to have the queen just suddenly stand up and give a speech um, that waylays everybody uh, doesn't seem as real to me as just some of the conversations between uh, Monica and, and Linda or Monica and the president or the president and any of his lawyers or any of Paula, the, the Paula Jones stuff. I was really struck by that. Uh, I did not have an ounce of empathy for Paula Jones when this was happening, simply because I didn't know what was going on. Um, and I was a person who was coming up as a musician. Uh, the 90s are all kind of a blur because of that. So you'll have to forgive me when I don't have a lot of the <laughs> historical knowledge uh, that you claimed that I did. But uh, there was a lot of blurring in there and a lot of the inclinations of the people that I was in bands with, of course, was pro Bill Clinton. And uh, so we didn't have room for anybody who was opposing him in our minds at the time. It was a very closed-minded situation. I regret that I didn't look at things more closely at that time. Have I babbled enough? Is that enough, Axel? You no. Got, got I there? Man, I think you brought up some great points. First of all, I really like the way you differentiated between sympathy and empathy as far as Linda Tripp goes. And that's something that we've been kind of circling and I think you put it very succinctly and we'll have to use that for the rest of the podcast Matt we're gonna take that from you because I totally agree with that and um, I'm glad I'm just glad that you like it I think that I think that sometimes for me listening to you talk about the way that you know comparing to the crown which I think takes itself a little more seriously than this show right mm. Um, or presents itself more as a historical drama, whereas this is kind of like, more so I see this really just said, like a Ryan Murphy production. Like, you know what you're in for. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. People are going to be, it's a little ostentatious, if I said that right. But I think that somehow, Matt, you keyed in on how, 
get it keyed in keyed keyed to loss you keyed in on um how that kind of almost i don't uh, buffoonery with the note with the with the the noses and the weird kind of like way that they make it less real actually makes it more real Be- mm-hmm. because when like you're saying when they talk the way it's written is real so even though it allows you to laugh a little have those nostalgic kind of memories whichever way it goes right it right. it kind of ends up capturing you and you really feel the emotion and that shines through because I, I hadn't thought, you know, I know you, you uh, if everyone here is not a subscriber to the Double P Podcast Network that Matt has covered The Crown. And what do you right now? You guys are doing Why the Last Man and Bubba's doing, are you well, you join too, Only Murders in the Building, right? Yeah, yeah. I For, for Double P, I mainly, uh, unless I'm leading the podcast, I mainly just do musical analysis for them. Uh, because Bubba and Catfish are the stars of that show, and I don't mind being a sidebar. Uh, but uh, when we get together and talk about things like The Crown, you know, we seriously look at, okay, what are, what does this imply to us as characters telling a story, as opposed to what does this imply to us as an encyclopedia of knowledge yeah. about what yeah. happened during this time? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I find that this blending that Ryan Murphy has done is actually I don't want to say superior, but just as good as the crowd. Yeah. Well, I think there are some differences too, just comparing those two productions. Because first of all, he has the benefit of having Monica Lewinsky on as an executive producer, True. where I'm sure no one from the royal family is involved. Well, in, in actuality, a lot of assistants, Gina, a lot of assistants that have worked in that place. Uh, have assisted Peter Morgan, uh, and some of them have even gotten some minor writing credits for it as well. So uh, I, I don't know. Assistant the thing is, is that I feel Peter. I feel like Peter Morgan takes things much more to an extreme for the sake of drama uh, than uh, Ryan Murphy does. Yeah, I mean, he's also covering almost 75 years worth of history and trying to cram that into seasons, whereas I think this is just a few years Although I do think it's the longest time period that Ryan Murphy has covered, historical time period that he's covered in, in one of the um, American crime story stories. I think much of them were much more succinct, like the O.J. Simpson trial mm-hmm. and the crazy. Although he covered more timeline in Andrew Cunanan, but really that was a very short spree, I guess, as yeah. you'd call it. And, and that I one, think- too, was, I think more about that one was way more about America than crime story the way I felt it. you know what I mean like this is okay. something we f- well I, I mean just in the sense that we followed along this just like the OJ one yeah you know what I mean so it's like there's so many recognizable moments whereas that one I, I maybe I didn't say it right I just felt it was more more artistic more of an interpretation in a sense, but mm. that's just, I don't know. All good. <laughs> I, I've got nothing. All right, cool. As, as usual, I'm a podcaster who has nothing, which oh, is why I wonder why all, people baby. ask me on. Well, uh, I think it is cool, though. Um, both shows have their own way of approaching it. 
Um, but I do think we'd, we would agree that the kind of Ryan Murphy adds that a little bit more humor, crazy stuff, uh, pushes the boundaries a little more. And I think in this episode, just like we start out, before I watched the show, Gina, you sent me this article that Jake Tapper went on a date with Monica Lewinsky and I hadn't watched the show yet. And I was like, oh, wow, I hope it's in the show. And then it starts out and it's like, this was unnecessary, right? You know what I mean? Like I sent it to you just because I did a double take when he's like, I'm Jake Tapper. And I'm like, wait a minute, did you just say Jake Tapper? Like I rewound it. I was like, oh my God. And then I start yeah. Googling and I was just like, oh, that's crazy. And then I guess coincidentally, he had her on his show last night oh, okay. too. And he mentioned the date. So I don't know. So weird. It's just very strange. It is weird, but it's also something that historically speaking it doesn't it says more to kind of america right than it does than this have like a great detail in the actual impeachment that she went on right. a date with jake tapper so i think it's kind of like when they find out something weird that happened they're not gonna sit there and go I don't know. Should we include this? They're like, of course we're including this. <laughs> Tapper. And then somebody in the room is probably like, but what does this really say for the, you know, our story here? And then I think someone says, well, I think it's the America part where it shows. It's just like, we're seeing all these people who are still around later on a certain Supreme court judge who doesn't like to take no for an answer. <laughs> oh my God. Pops up. On Kenneth Starr's uh, team, and it's just a reminder of the recycling. You know, these people are like Tom Brady. They just won't go away. You know, it's like, let someone else do something. You you need to have all the attention. You, you're still involved in the world, even people like Jake Tapper. I feel like it, it's just kind of indicative of a, a circus of people who are just like kind of going around to get attention when they hit that spot. And in the end, you have people like a Lewinsky, who's really, you know, a young woman who's in love trying to lead her life. And they just, that's what gets churned, you know, her and uh -huh. like Paula Jones. These are the people that get churned up in it. Yeah, no, definitely. Oh my gosh. I just kind of got the innuendo of them saying, Kavanaugh, we know you don't like to take no for an answer in the script last night, and it just kind of resonated. Oh man, did you way. did you pick up on that, Matt? Uh, who's that? Who's Kavanaugh? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, but no, I did not pick up on that. Okay. Uh, I should have, but I, I I didn't. Yeah, my wife and I both picked up on that at the same time and went, "Oh shit." And, um, and I was like, I bet you, I, I was like, Gene is going to mention that, but that's, yeah, I don't, they, they, they keep on doing stuff like that, which I think is really, really fantastic. Um, yeah. and, well, uh, I, you know, Axel, I think that helps to make the story more relevant. Remember we're me and you, I know are of an age to where, uh, we know people's kids who never experienced this. Yeah. Uh, so to to add a little bit of current reference in 
even is just kind of a little uh, sidebar, I think helps keep a younger audience engaged in this kind of story. Yeah, that's a good point. I think it's also really good at showing how long some of these sleazy media and politicians and Washington legal hubba bubba people have been around for decades now. And it's just like, are they really helping things or are they just like an infestation of America? Yeah. (laughs) Well, well, and then you have to ask, you have to ask yourself, well, how long has it actually been like this? How long have people just come in and out and in and out? Uh, and stirred up the same, uh, you know, poop every time that they that they they get in there uh, because it, I'm, I'm sure it goes back further than Nixon. Uh, but how far back does it go back to Lincoln? Yeah. Does it go back to Jefferson and Adams? Probably. Oh, man. So uh, it's just the nature of politics, I guess, which yeah. is really awful to think about. But yeah. It goes back to the Greeks and the Romans, Matt, right? Like when, oh, there you, you, go. when yeah. you look at their history, you see the same thing. Like these people who just like, wait, I was always like, is that a different guy with a weird last name? No, that's the same guy. Like, I mean, I, I think that's in one of the early episodes. I think the first episode, I described some of these people as like shark people. They never stop, right? They're always swimming and feeding and hunting and looking for the next story and the next way to elevate themselves, make themselves feel important and also put other people down. And Linda Tripp is a, I mean, obviously she is kind of the star of the show here as the great example of that. As this episode goes on and we get deeper into the uh, Linda Tripp's mind culminating in the kind of weird chase scene at the Christmas party, <laughs> like where she's chasing her and she's like with one person then another, and then Monica and the, everything's spinning coming from when they were on the phone with each other every 15 seconds just to see that kind of growth and the way we were even questioning Gina like, I don't know, Matt, when you were watching this, mm-hmm. this episode, I think we really see, obviously, Linda turn on Monica mm-hmm. and 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 make the power moves that she's desperately been waiting to make and sit the whole F, the FBI comes into her house and ev- the, the whole team sit down, everyone. <laughs> me... Well, I, you know, after listening to yours and, and Gina's conversations over the last uh, few podcast episodes, uh, I think you guys hit it on the head very early on as far as Linda goes, is that she was always out just for herself, self-important, self-driven, you know, driven, whatever. Um, she makes a point to tell everybody that she's a political appointee, these kinds of things. Yet, at the same time, um, there's evidence of a real lack of confidence in the fact that she has to put that stuff out there. That's one of the things that I find that make her empathetic. But here, uh, like you said, in this episode, she's clearly drawn a line in the sand. And most of it is in the form of avoidance. She doesn't actively get involved, really, until she's in trouble herself with those tapes, right? I mean, she wouldn't have gone to all that trouble with Kenneth Starr and the FBI if it hadn't just been to save her own butt. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's a good point. Yeah, she... she, uh, 
She, but I guess I wanted to find out, do you think that she actually cared for Monica Lewinsky? Uh, boy, that's a tough question. From this character portrayal, I believe that Linda believes that she cares about Monica. But it, it seems to me that, you know, from the moment that she disapproves of a pizza party, that this is much more about just not liking Clinton than it is about ever liking Monica, to me, anyway. That's what I saw. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I have to agree. And I think even this time, I love that you said, I believe she thinks she believes she cares for her because I think Linda Tripp is very narcissistic and that just kind of like you believe one thing, but you're doing another is kind of a traditional narcissistic trait. But, I mean, it was crazy when you know, one of the lawyers with the star team was basically saying, you refer to this person as your good friend. Like it's, it's, uh, it's <laughs> yeah. Colin Hanks, right. The, who, who he's playing. And then on the way out, he's like, thank God we have tapes too, because a jury would fucking hate this lady. And it's like, just to think she was that kind of repelling and repugnant to the people trying to take Bill Clinton down, I think speaks volumes about her character uh, as a person. That's just kind of, it was, that was a little jarring where they were so shocked at what she'd done to her friend. I was like, oh, damn. Was it Emic who said, uh, thank goodness we have tapes because a jury would hate her? Yes, yes, that was, <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I couldn't remember the last name, but yes, that, that was it. Oh, yeah, you like. Yeah, that's, um, that's uh, Young Hanks. Yes, it is Young Hanks. Yeah, not Chet Hanks. This is the good Hanks. This is. Okay. Uh, Colin. Colin Hanks. Yes, not the, yeah. ra- not the rapper. Um, it's funny to think that's his brother. Everyone, you know, I actually, I, I have to say, both half my wife brother. and I, when we, oh, half brother. Okay. That's, yeah. is it his half brother? Yeah. I think he's not Rita Wilson's kid. Colin. Oh, I never knew that. I didn't either. Wow. Cool. Interesting. Okay. Not cool. Or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> We're learning here. Um, that's it. Yeah. I just, I, I mean, I re- I've always thought he was a very good actor. And I don't, I think that that is one of the times where I think his father's shadow um, prevents people from recognizing what a good actor he is. Because Mm -hmm. I really, I really like Colin Hanks. I think he's always done a great job. Yeah, no, he has. Maybe his time will come, you know, he'll take on that lead, the lead role versus that kind of. Smaller roles. They'll strand him on an island with a volleyball oh. one day. <laughs> um, uh, but all right, let's talk. We were t- we've been talking a little bit about Linda. We should kind of get to the good stuff. And as I said before, last episode, we were talking a lot about how everyone was acting like everything was fine, right? Um, there's indictments being handed out. There's it, it, you know, there's Supreme court decisions and still Monica is, and Bill are chatting and Linda's just doing her thing, watching, eating her, uh, dinners, uh, ready-made dinners or whatever, microwave dinners, 
getting ready for Christmas is coming, blah, blah, blah. And really the shit hits the fan in this episode. And I like the way that we didn't have to wait too long. Um, another Ryan Murphy hallmark. So sometimes he's too fast in this respect. I think the pacing of this season has been fantastic because you could have went another episode of kind of giving like kind of just, uh, frothing it up, getting us scared, getting us anxious, right. Giving us the kind of good fellas helicopter in the sky. But instead it just went on a smooth trajectory here mostly because we get now a little bit more of the insight from what was happening with Kenneth Starr's team and how the machinations of the impeachment side were really coming together and I thought that that was a part of the episode a good portion of the episode that I found really the most interesting for me because we kind of knew the way that things were going with Linda and we know the story, but it was kind of interesting to see the, uh, the whole team get together and the way, you know, they, the way they're calling him judge and the way he starts off the meeting with like a Bible quotation, you know, and how they're so, how here they are literally supposed to be an impartial, Right judiciary body who is there to make sure that a president or anyone else, but particularly the president in this case, um, this special counsel is following the rules, right? Their job really isn't to try to find him doing bad things. Like that's literally not their job. Their job was to investigate one thing along the line and then they kept on adding to it. They starts with white, they add the sex stuff and that, and that they're just kind of scouring the world looking for anything bad that Bill Clinton has done. It reminds me of, I watched the show billions and every, every other scene on billions is one person just trying to find dirt on the other person. Right. And it was like, this whole thing, from my perspective, this, when I was, you know, in the 90s, Matt, much like you, I was on Clinton's side in the sense that I felt like, did not think that this was an impeachable offense. I thought that this was a political, basically a, a hit game. They were trying to take him out. And I think that judging from the scenes we're seeing with the special counsel, that's exactly what they were trying to do. I think in this case, they are communicating quite directly to us that all the men in the room were working with and were aligned with conservatives who were against the Clintons and were literally just trying to take them out. It wasn't as if someone brought them evidence and they said, oh, we must further investigate. They were trying to seek out the evidence and then bring forth the people, which is eventually what they do with Linda Tripp. And I think that for a show that has, like Matt said, at least tried to be empathetic to other people, sympathetic to other people, this I, f- I felt, okay, you're just like with Coulter, but now you're showing it happening within the government, right? Like what Coulter was doing is different, 
But what they're doing now is a, basically a government body going after the president. One of the things, Axel, that I found uh, being really interesting for me, first of all, in the introduction of, of Kenneth Starr walking into that office, the whole buildup to that, uh, y'all heard the old little town of Bethlehem melody, right? <laughs> yeah. That, that was pretty cool. That was a neat treatment of that. But the, you know, which obviously sets a really religious precedence behind the meeting that we're about to see. But you also get the sense of the frustration. One of the, one of the things that a good politician will always tell you is that uh, if you find something on me, it's on me. And if, and if I manage to be smart enough to cover it up, then, then I, that's on me too. So the, the whole idea of hiring this group of people who are so frustrated by the fact that they could not get enough evidence to really pin anything on Bill Clinton re in regards to Whitewater, that was going to be, you know, their torch. That was what they were going to do. Yep. And the desperation of, of the fact that for whatever reasons, whether you believe that there was, uh, you know, some guilt involved with Bill Clinton and, and Hillary Clinton as far as Whitewater goes or not, they couldn't find enough to do anything about it. And so that's when they start lashing out the way that uh, a poor woman practically gets run over once a guy finds out the news that he's get the, about Monica Lewinsky uh, to go to to go to everybody on it. it. It just feels like that, you know, that kind of desperation is something that probably happens on every level of politics to some degree. And that's disgusting to me, but it's probably also true. Yeah. And it doesn't matter which side is on, on, on which side of the table. I, I think that same kind of desperation happens Definitely. all over the place. Uh, yeah. Great, great point. Yeah, that's true. And it's, I like what you said there, desperation, Gina, didn't you think they were like, they were desperate. They, they, he was so upset. And the thing is, is like, they kept like, yeah. they were doing that game that the lawyer, that lawyer people, and I have nothing against lawyers. I have many friends who are lawyers, but it is a game where we're going to distort reality to fit the law, right? Like we're going to keep, he's like basically saying to them until it appears that she has come to us, right? Cause they couldn't, it couldn't appear as if they were just blanket trying to find any bullshit they could, which is what they were doing. Yeah, yeah, everything was back-channeled, as yeah. they like to say. And yep. even, you know, it is so interesting in that in the end, because there were plenty rumors about Clinton and his affairs before he was even elected president, which mm -hmm. is something that supposedly stopped Gary Hart from, you know, getting the nomination the year he was running, you know, that the famous, I still see it in my mind as a child, like he's like on a boat with this girl in I his know. lap that's not his wife, you know, on like the National Enquirer or something. But um, it's interesting that they, they tried to do this real estate thing. And I mean, I think that even took place when he was governor. So it's not like yeah. he, he even committed a crime while he was in office, which seems to be the precedent for <laughs> the precedent now, um, you know, not previous crimes, um, at least, you know, in, in the era of Trump. But, you know, now they're coming back to his weakness, which is women and kind of anything they can do. And it's not even that, I think in the end, it wasn't even that he'd had an affair with Monica Lewinsky. It's that he lied about it under oath. Yeah. And yeah. that's where the real problem, you know, came in. And 
I mean, that is, I think, justifiable cause for impeachment if a president lies under oath um, like that um, for anything. Because if, you, if, you, if you're not going to tell the truth under oath and you get caught, then, well, you know, maybe you shouldn't be leading the country, <laughs> um, you know, when it comes down to it. They, I mean, yeah, hey, that's what they, that's when they were leaving Linda Tripp's, that's what they were saying, right? Like, and it's the same thing that Ann yeah. Coulter said, I think in the first episode, we just have to catch him lying under oath. Like this is yeah. a game, right? This is a lawyer game where you're trying to, it's a chess game, position people and, and you're playing with the truth because it, there's a de facto uh, kind of realization there that there is no truth, right? And that they're all just basically trying to mm -hmm. wrestle power from each other. They, they, they're, yeah. uh, is Kenneth Starr really concerned about Monica Lewinsky or, any, or that Bill Clinton is um, some sort of serial rapist or manipulator or whatever? No, no, that's, that really is a very secondary thought in his or any of these people's minds their first thought is to get him out so they can have power yeah and and as matt said though that it's not untrue that it would could be that way on either side right like we're not doing this podcast as like the bill clinton supporters talk about uh, oh, speak for yourself, sir. Speak for yourself. <laughs> you know, I mean, hey, I did vote for the guy twice. Um, I vote and I the first time I was well aware of it, I was more politically aware and I was well aware of Whitewater and a bunch of other stuff. And to me, that was secondary to did he have a vision or would uh, go along with ideas that I felt were best for the betterment of our country and other people, right. you know? So Agreed. everybody's guilty of that in some respect. Um, yeah. But I just thought to me, the way the show positioned it was interesting to me because previously I felt they had been a little more cautious, right? About presenting uh, it was more coming from Coulter and the stuff inside the government wasn't so blatant. So we're kind of seeing really in a way, and I, this is called impeachment and Hey, who is the head of impeachment? Kenneth Starr and his team. It's like, we're getting the introduction of Darth Vader in like the fifth episode <laughs> <laughs> instead of the first scene of the movie, you know? Um, so I thought that was kind of cool cause I'm sitting there at first like, Oh wait, is that? And I heard a little bit like Matt said, the music in the prayer. I was like, Oh shit, that's Kenneth star. And then I started to think, Oh, okay. This is going to be like the OJ show where we're going to get the inside. This is where it's going to get kind of a little bit more fun. And the show is going to be able to have a little bit more fun with it. And they obviously did. Um, but I, but I did think that the cat and mouse game of make it appear as if she's coming to us. And then the way her editor then calls and then it's like the same thing that happened with the subpoena, right? Like uh -huh. it's the same bullshit again, where she knows it's happening and then she has to do something to, con it has to be her that springs it open to give the appearance 
as if she was on this um, journey for truth when in actuality she's kind of stumbling around and then just doing what can make her feel powerful at the moment. Yeah. I mean, she definitely had some moments in this episode where she just seemed to be like getting off on the whole thing. (laughs) Showed up at her door. Haven't any of you been briefed? You know, it's like, I have to tell you everything. Oh, poor me. I'm so important, you know? And, and just when she went in wearing that wire to the Ritz Carlton to have lunch with Monica, she just looks like so elated. It's just really, it's just gross. Like she's overexcited about, you know, it's, I don't know. It's like she daydreamed this. She's kind of like Matt Drudge in a weird way. Like she mm-hmm. daydreamed about being this important person and like, you know, truth telling or something. And she's basically manipulated this whole thing narrative and even this coming to be because some 22 year old was dumb enough to finally admit she had been seeing the president it's just blech. yeah let's face it matt drudge has a better hat so linda could never say he does <laughs> he does he does she does he does <laughs> <laughs> oh speaking of hat before i forget we saw the beret yes we see we the beret. Yeah. i just wanted yeah. to throw that out um yeah. Um, oh, by the, can I? Let me just. I want to talk about one thing positive before I forget to. Okay. I'm sorry. Um, Linda Tripp really did decorate great for Christmas. I mean, yes. I, I want to give her some credit here. Okay, <laughs> I would have loved to gone to that Christmas party. Those German things, like that's my kind of Christmas. I love that, like old European, weird, like you know like Chris, like Santa Claus is going to accidentally eat you or something. You know what I mean? Like, just like there's fire. What's that? Borderline Krampus. Yes. Krampus. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. It was like that. Right. I think that they did that on purpose. Um, And maybe that really was something that she was into. But I do think that the kind of like, it's also like, let's just be honest here. And I'm speaking as a person who's half German. Whenever someone mentions that kind of stuff on TV, you're always like, eh, Nazi. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's just, that's, uh, that's just the way it is. So it kind of worked very well for not only like, like what's happening, the story, but also I love Christmas and I just thought that her decorations were amazing. And I, I want to try to get some of those weird things. Gina, I would really like your opinion on this. Uh, when her, when, uh, Monica and Linda are sitting in the car and Linda's kind of staring out the window. And of course she's saying, uh, you know, it'll all be over soon. And she's thinking about the whole Lewinsky situation. Uh, was that a little bit too much on the nose for you? Was it a little bit? Because see, I'm one of these people that is like, oh, wow, you hit me over the head. Thank goodness, because I would have missed that if you hadn't. Uh, but, you know, then her kind of spraying it off to, oh, it's about Christmas or whatever. Um, I, well, does that kind of well, does that kind of stuff bother you or because it, it, it was really it was weird and awkward. And but in some ways, maybe this whole thing is like Christmas to Linda Tripp. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like she's clearly over the top about Christmas and 
here, you know, she seems, as I mentioned, to be like so turned on by all this stuff and like super excited. And she is kind of like a little kid leading up to Christmas morning. Like there's going to be some big mm-hmm. gift or payoff in the end. So while it was over the top, I think it's it's pretty well aligned with the metaphor <laughs> in a really yeah. sad, sick way. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. Okay. So I, 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 I don't know how I would feel about it, whether to say, you know, it was over the top or not. That's why I was asking, because I, stuff like that, I always go, oh, deep. Uh, and, and I mean it. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I go, oh, yeah, the whole Christmas metaphor with Linda Tripp and getting Monica Lewinsky out of there or, or getting Bill Clinton. I yeah. Again, I don't think it's so much about getting Monica as it is about Bill Clinton. Yes, but okay. it doesn't matter what kind of friendship she has with Monica or not. She's not going to let anything stand in her way of doing so. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I'm going to get to that Christmas present, no matter how many dogs you put in front of me. Oof. Oh, yikes. Cute puppies. Oh, All right. Dear. Well, let's let's talk a little bit about um, Mr. Bill. Oh, no, Mr. Bill. Um, <laughs> we. I was kind of surprised that this dumb motherfucker is still calling her at 2.30 in the morning. <laughs> No shit. I mean, wow. Talk about a sugar daddy. And the presents too, right? Like you, you literally it's, it says in the subpoena what gifts he has given you. So you're going to give her more gifts. Like that's not, (laughs) was not smart. It's just, there is a lot of stupid, like he is stumbling and bumbling and you have at the end of the notes, a little spoiler alert. We're still waiting for the Kraken. We're waiting for Hillary. To come, she has not appeared yet, really, except for. I was so disappointed by that. I, I was expecting it this wow. episode. I know. I was hoping. I was like, "Oh, Matt's on. We're going to get to talk about Hillary. This is going to be great." But again, it's they are pushing that, which is okay because the story is still going along. You know, yeah. I like the introduction of. I kind of felt felt like, um, Star was that right? Like we're going to see the real people it's like we're seeing the teenage romance and then the parents are going to appear hillary and kenneth star are going to take control of this story right yeah that's a good way to look at it yeah but yeah bill just man i'm getting more used to the makeup but go oh go ahead matt let's analyze that though why would he continue to do that he's in love with her he's well yeah is he is he is he still trying to make a long play for once he gets out of office mm-hmm. and they're in New York? I guess yeah. that's what the deal is. I yeah. So. I think that's part of it. I also think he's arrogant enough to think he's really not going to get caught. Mm. And I think, you know, we were kind of talking about earlier, like, yeah, I was on team bill. I was too, you know, even though he was a woman chaser, but I think a lot of women were on team bill mainly because well, I would say a lot. I'd say maybe half the women were on Team Bill because they really liked Hillary and thought she was very impressive. Oh, mm-hmm. um, I went to a women's college, so we were all like, oh, Bill and Hillary, and yeah, Hillary's going to be president someday, um, which, well, you know, close but no cigar. Da-dum-bum. But um, when we were talking about, yeah, we were on Team Bill, and I think now, you know, since the Me Too movement and time has passed, everyone's kind of like, oh, he, you know, he was... It's, it wasn't that great. And there was almost the foreshadowing of the, 
you know, this isn't going to play out well in, in the long run. And even, you know, 30 ish, well, it's not quite 30 years later, but even years later, you know, Bill's being questioned about all the women he was just friends with. And he's Mm -hmm. like, I bet Kennedy didn't have to answer this shit. Mm. And someone's like, um, it's a different time. Things are changing. And, you know, you know, women have more of a voice, they matter. And he's like, so, you know, kind of self-righteous. I've appointed, you know, her and her and her to the cabinet and everything. Like he feels like it makes up for everything he's done. And I think it's just kind of like, yeah, but it's still not, you know, I mean, we know about all Kennedy's or at least some of Kennedy's escapades now. And I I don't think people feel really great that he was a total womanizer when he was in the White House either. You know, Um, I mean, and he was probably, I'm sorry, 50 times worse than Clinton, you know. Oh, he was way worse than Clinton. Secret Service would have women in and out of there like all day long. And like I said, I once heard this really crass statement that, you know, maybe it's an urban legend, but that Kennedy used to say something like, it's not a proper day without 18 holes. And he wasn't talking about golf. So, I mean, he was the biggest Mm. dog. I think Clinton thought he could get away with stuff because Kennedy got away with so much more, but was still a great president in the eyes of the country. And so I think there's a lot of just like that big shark, as you say, Axel, arrogance that comes into continuing to call this woman, buy her gifts, have her in the Oval Office, kiss her on the forehead, Mm. and who knows what else, you know, that I just really don't think he ever thought he was going to get caught. And maybe he was playing a long game, too. You know, we did talk about that last week, like, you know, what, what if? X had never happened. Like, would they be together today? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I also think there's a thing there. It's power, right? Uh, He is a, he, and I think that's the thing that eventually, I think more than anything, when people, I think like some people might agree with about the Clintons is like power hungry, right? Like Democrat or Republican, you like them, you don't like them. They're invested in, see the worth in and want to control things and have power, right? Just like Hillary kind of saying that she was destined to be president. That kind of bit her in the ass during her run, right? Um, And they're not the only people that are like that. But I think that the thing with women is he can't see the difference between being kind of like, you know, there's an old movie, the man who loved women, right? Like he's like the man who loved women. He just loves women, right? He's like, I love women. I love them so much. I just got to touch everyone I meet. Like, you know, regardless of whether they want to be touched or not, like he just can't, it's a, it's, it's a pathology. That's the only way that I can describe it. And mm-hmm. I think it's a power pathology. If he didn't have the power, I don't, I think he would never have gotten away with this. And he'd be like a used car salesman who every once in a while made out with one of the women buying a car while their husband was signing the papers. You know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. He's I mean, that kind of dude. Sure. So, but it- because he was the president, and he had this power, it gave him the idea that he can just do anything he wants. Like you're saying, 
Gina. He, it's just like, it's a pathology and with Kennedy too. Oh my God. Well, so many stories. Do we want to also say the fact that Bill kind of got away with this, who else did it set up this power hungry? I can do anything I want with women and everything else. Yep. Mm, Good point. I'm sorry. It's, Trump's the same way. Honestly, that guy didn't have money. He never would have gotten laid. Are you kidding me? Oh, I mean, yeah. and you know, he he's a he's another power hungry man. And mm. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but God, the more we talk about it, the more he and Bill Clinton are alike. At least when it comes to women and the obsession with power, for sure. Yeah. Well, mm. hey, they both wow. hung out on the uh, the flamed uh, the Epstein airplane, mm. right? <laughs> So, I mean, we don't have to get too into that and all the conspiracy theories and what's the truth there. I don't know. But I think it's evident enough to the public to put them both in that in that same boat or plane. I think that's really true. It's sad. And I mean, hey, maybe there should be like a movement in our country. I don't know. I'm going to name it something like me, me, me for me to me too. Let's call it Me Too. <laughs> you know? I mean, hey, uh, that's what we're talking about, right? Right. Like, that's it, what it, we're talking it, about. It is. Is you know something? realizing that finally. Oh, go ahead. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, Axel. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just thinking that one of the things that uh, makes me feel really uneasy about this portrayal of, of Bill Clinton, uh, I mean, the writing is excellent. I think that that Clive Owens is doing fantastic, but Matt Quayle put this melody behind him that is just as shifty as his character seems to be. It's like one of these things that just kind of, it, it doesn't clearly define whether it's major or minor. It's like this. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. it's, it's, it, anytime, anytime you see Bill or uh, something's happening in this particular episode. It was more about when it was something about Bill, like uh, when Monica got the uh, the, the subpoena um, and those kinds of things. Um, but if it has something to do with Bill Clinton, you hear that, and it's almost it's almost like a snake charmer kind of melody, isn't it? Which seems to fit the way that they're portraying his character really well. Matt Quayle did a really good job with this score. I've been really impressed with it. Yeah. That's great pickup there, Matt. There's something very, you know what that reminds me of too, though, that it's a little deliverancy. (laughs) I was thinking this is kind of like an old country harmonica coming in, but it seemed very Um, Arkansas. But it's kind of like that Southern thing where at least for me and no offense, I mean, I lived in the South and the North, but it's that typical kind of stereotype where it's a little like, and you're like, oh, that's sweet. And then it's like, we're Confederate soldiers coming to kill you. <laughs> yeah, just a little creepy, a little creepy. But yeah, it's got that that feel that down home boy, too. And I mean, obviously, like I said, that's really what we're talking about is a history of Bill Clinton representing what is an archetype in a right right not even a stereotype an archetype of a powerful white male and to bring and the guy brings up kennedy too and it's kind of just weird because for a second like when you when he first said that too i was like that's like his hero 
right? Like when you bring up Kennedy in that respect, that's the big thing. Like you mentioned, Gina, like that he met Kennedy. Yes. That kind of destined him to be president. He always brought that up. I remember seeing that in commercials, the picture of a young Bill Clinton. Cause he looked Mm -hmm. fuck. He, he's like one of those people that had the same exact face when he was four that he did when he was like 50. Right. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) He still looks like a big baby. Um, so I think that's, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's cool. All right. Let's, let's move it on. And thank you so much for that musical interlude there, Matt. That was yeah. awesome. All right. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, uh, Paula Jones. We didn't see her last episode. We still didn't get to see her husband who I miss cause he's funny as hell. Um, but we get basically a really telling scene. I thought that this was brilliant. Um, where her mom gets to meet uh what's i'm sorry what's her name again susie yeah it's susan um i don't know the last name yeah but but susan right yeah she gets to meet her right outside there uh where they're just about to kind of go into this fancy restaurant and eat and the at first now the woman who plays her mom was that terry o isn't that her name terry o'derry or something She's a comedian. Uh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure. I'll, I, I'll check that out another time. But I think she okay. used to be on SNL back in the day. Um, oh, wow. I th- and she did in the past has done like a very hokey Southern thing. Um, and she's been in some movies doing that. I think she was like some David Spade movie doing that. So okay. I thought that this was going to be more of a joke. Like... Here is Paula Jones, this like kind of sweet, innocent, we, you know, Minnie Mouse, Minnie Mouse. Yeah. And uh, is we're going to see, is her mom tough or is her, maybe is she like, is her mom also going to be dissuaded? And her mom really right away was like, don't trust that woman. You should have taken the money. Yeah. Her spidey sense was up. Yeah. And I, and, and I wanted her to be like, okay, mama, you know, I mean, I know history didn't go that way, but I just thought it was really interesting the way they chose to bring her mom in there and show, okay, there was at least one person who was telling her, Hey, look, that woman's using you. Who's paying for all this. There's another reason why they're doing this. You know, it seemed like she had no one to help her even say that to her. So I thought it was kind of sweet that they at least showed this and it brought a kind of a depth to that storyline. Um, and then we have her getting kind of eviscerated yes. by Bill's lawyers. And he really, the thing I have to say is he kept on talking about penis with a straight face. I don't know if I could do that. I know. I feel like I know way too much about Bill Clinton's penis now. Sorry. It's just like, it's small. It has a U-turn. Like, I know direct turn, but like a U-turn. I'm like, hello, it's a hook. What? I don't get it. Hey, um, hey, Matt, you remember, you remember Trump having a mushroom penis, right? Yes. Okay, yes. good. Thank you. I, want, I just want you to, because I brought that up. Gina didn't remember that. So it is a I, thing. Yeah, I I just want to go on record as saying that despite being part of the male species, I have no expertise in in what constitutes a good penis or not. 
because I don't have anything to compare it to. Well, I mean, I don't know. I have a beautiful penis. I don't know about you, Matt. Well, that's that's what I'm saying <laughs> is that I don't. I I do not. I don't know. I hope no one ever has to go to court to talk about it. But yeah, it was. It was. They were asking her if she'd taken an anatomy class before, yes. and that she her ability to tell if a man's penis yep. is small or large is based on other opportunities she's had. Uh, yeah, duh. What? Hello. <laughs> that's such lawyer stuff. Like, in a Fine. sense, you like you respect it because they're using words which I love and writing and law to and to get to that point. But it's, yeah. it's was heartbreaking to watch. Yes. It happened to her. Yes. I, the, the means, it was the means to the ends the, they got to get to the questions that they wanted to get to, which was to totally drag her through the mud. Mm -hmm. They had to go through that process uh, in order to get there. Uh, they, they had to, eliminate all of the other possibilities and anatomy class, whatever else. And uh, it was so low down dirty Paula Jones. And I, I admit, I don't really uh, even looking back on it now, I don't know enough about her um, to say whether this is a convincing portrayal or not, but my gosh, this show, which I know is, is trying to tell this story through the eyes of basically her Monica and Linda Tripp. That that's kind of the focus uh, the, the, through the lenses of the story. But, uh, you know, this whole series and especially during this episode, Paula is is the person that I'm just like, why does anybody have to go through that? Why does yeah. anybody have to go through not just whatever Bill Clinton did or didn't do, but this process uh, by the fact that her husband, uh, because she's. I get the sense that she's just scared of him that she wouldn't have gone through with any of this at all if he hadn't kind of pushed this as well. So it's just uh, the idea of this woman being beaten down from by men from all sides yeah. while at the same time there is a, a, a sense that she is um, unwilling to to strike back against that and you think about um how putting that in today's society i would hope that a woman would say you ain't doing that to me man you know uh and how upset it made her it, it was just awful i yeah. uh, i'm babbling but it, it's just uh paula jones uh i'm team paula jones for the most part yeah. no I, I am too and I, I think you're really right matt and I mean, not only was she just kind of <laughs> abused by men, but she was completely used by the political system yes. as well. And I mean, she was like a lamb to the slaughter, really, if this is a correct portrayal. And and I just think <clears throat> you're right. I don't think women at that time, unless you'd had like a specific education or was raised a certain way, you know, you don't necessarily strike back. You know, a lot of a lot of women were raised to be good little Christian girls, like I'm sure Paula was, and to not, mm -hmm. you know, say anything out of turn yeah. or talk don't make back a fuss. Or, yeah, yeah, and you know, I think you know Susie just really buddies up to her as like a girlfriend, and I think she trusts that. And behind her back, she's calling her dumb as rocks. You know, it's 
it's just the whole thing's pretty ugly. And I, I do, I feel for her, I think almost the most in this, this whole yes. story yeah. for sure. I think it's interesting because they're showing us here. They, and as we talked, we call a love story between Bill and Monica and up, you know, we see in this episode, given the little gifts and all that kind of stuff. And then we have another side here, which is a woman when being did, portrayed yeah. as a, a nice person who, naive right overwhelmed by what's happening who seems to be convinced and is saying hey look no this guy took advantage of me he put me in a really bad position nothing happened i didn't do it but he shouldn't have done that and he put me in a bad position and then he forcibly kissed her right that's what she's claiming yeah. and that to me shows you the two like if we're asking why couldn't bill clinton not call monica after a subpoena eh, same kind of guy might not take yes for an answer and might you know go for it and kiss the girl right but there's a it stops there right she's not claiming that he raped her they said, did he force anything after? No. Did he? No. He said he want it. It didn't. It didn't happen for her. This ends up being accused. I shouldn't say accused because, hey, if a girl wants to give four blowjobs in a night, she can do it. You know what I mean? Like, that's the sad thing is how e either side has to go low. Right. Right. In order to disprove that this happened with Bill Clinton, we have to prove that what? She likes giving blowjobs like that fucking matters. That's her business. Well, and, but, and honestly, we, we don't know. She could have been forced to do all that, too. That's you, a great. You, you that's know what a, I mean? That's a good. That's an interest. Very good point, Gina, that if then then could it not be turned around and see a pattern with her being used in this way? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so the whole situation is very sad, but it does make me think, too, like you said earlier, Matt, I. When I was during the time, I was just like, hey, come on. He didn't do any of this stuff. I'm looking at it. I'm an older person, right? I'm thinking to myself about my own experiences in life and listening to women talk and and say, mm, I don't know. You know, this Paula Jones thing seems to have more validity to me than it did before, where the Monica Lewinsky stuff has less validity, right? Like it seems more like he was like our kind of dream romance of them getting together and getting married in about 2004 or five in New York. Right, Gina, uh -huh. that that is kind of what he's wishing there, but the, he can't stop himself. And it yeah. culminates too. we should continue with that. Juanita Broderick is brought into this, which is the, harshest claim it, she claims that bill clinton forcibly raped her and not yeah. only forcibly raped her but then literally gave like a one-liner as he was walking out the door um yes yeah. and i remember that like you need some ice for that or something right like yeah um so that's going to be another story because there is the same way in which some of these uh, in which we see like Paula Jones was more scouted. 
there's there's a different there's a question there with Juanita Broderick and just my remembering and also reading and also you put a nice article in here from Vox, um, Gina. It's a hard read, especially yeah. if you did go for Clinton twice. Yes, definitely. Yeah, and I I think that's you know do you, you you if you're watching this show you do got to ask yourself those questions and challenge your previous uh, yeah. beliefs. But again. Like we, Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I don't know if we'll hear from her, see her again in this series, because it sounds like it was much later that she kind of came out publicly with the full. Um, yeah, I wonder, too. I want to say it was more like oh, closer to 2000, like as he was leaving office. Um, I, I think she kind of waited until he was on his way out to come out with it. Yeah, and there is also there is also on the Clinton side a claim that it was a similar thing that they it was a hit job and they looking for someone who had a relationship with him in some way that could have evidence to flip. Mm, yeah. Um, we'll never know. Right. And I think it should be clear though that the way that the show portrayed this her mere reluctance to get involved in, implies to me that she was really scared of something. She either did. No. She either tried to put this behind her and was trying to not talk about it anymore uh, for her own sanity, or uh, she was, you know, legitimately scared of being thrust into the fore. Mm -hmm. I mean, she says, "I've got a business. I can't. I can't ruin my life just because you want to play politics with this guy." Yeah. So um, it, it seems to me. That all that portrayal would have made without having any information would have made me uh, more suspicious of yeah. it being true mm -hmm. than not being true. I agree, Matt. I agree. I agree with that. We'll see how they deal with it. Um, that is going to be interesting because I don't I don't believe that she ended up being subpoenaed to testify in any way during right. the impeachment or any lead up to it. So I, 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 maybe more information, uh, will come out about it. Maybe they'll find some way to bring it up, but also the way that they portrayed the private detectives, right. Ugh. Was icky. Yeah, very, very, very. And it was in keeping with the digging up the dirt part. Not that we're here to help you. More like, hey, we need you for the case we already have. Um, so we'll see what happens. All right, let's let's wrap it up. We talked a little bit about Monica, but I want to kind of go back to Monica a little bit because she had a journey this episode. She was just ready to go to New York. You know what I'm saying? Everything was working out. She had the job going getting ready for her at Revlon. She was going to have a little going away party at the DOD, which was very sweet, by the way. That was very sweet. Yes. Um, yes. But unfortunately, reality hits and we get and it becomes she goes into a frenzy of trying to figure out what's happening with Linda the whole episode. I mean, not the whole, but a good portion of the episode um, leading up to a fantastic scene with her and Linda in the restaurant where Linda is <laughs> wired by the FBI. 
Um, I noticed that Colin Hanks was not present at that point, right? Yeah. I wonder yeah. why. Well he, well, he was actually part of the star legal team and not okay. an FBI agent. And okay. So maybe that's why. Mm. I don't know. It seemed um, like he had reservations more so. And that's going to, you know. Yeah, maybe he would have been too disgusted to sit in and listen yeah. to Linda Tripp betray her friend. Didn't seem um, to bother Jack at all. He, he was yeah. all, yeah, the high fives all around in that. Oh, yeah, they were, they were pumped. Um, they were pumped. But um, yeah, but you know, Monica, she's she knows something's going on for sure. Mm-hmm. Like she's talking into Linda's purse. Like, yeah, she is wired, just not her purse, honey. It's like on her body. <laughs> It was smart though, too. I thought I was like, you know, they, then that is something that they've consistently shown that Monica Lewinsky is fucking smart. And she picked up on what was going on. And when she whispered into the thing, I was like, ah, yeah, it's on her, not the bag. But I still thought it was smart that she figured that out. Right. Like she knew what was going on, which at least shows me it's leading towards the transition where she's going to say, let that bitch watch this. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You can, you can see all the seeds being planted for Mm -hmm. why she would feel that way for sure. Yeah. And I thought that was great. So I, I could, the, the evolution, their relationship here, the deterioration of their relationship over, uh, this episode was so hard to watch because, Monica remains consistent, right? And you do want to kind of be on her side. Like, yeah, Linda's being a real jerk. But then you're also like, stop fucking calling her. (laughs) Run away. Well, and I think if there's one thing that they've made perfectly clear throughout the course of all five episodes, while Monica's thinking great for herself, she has a little bit of trouble in terms of truth to power. Yeah. She's had multiple opportunities to tell Bill, yeah, I told Linda Tripp. Right. Yeah. And she didn't. And she's and she's flat out yeah. denied it. Good point. Uh, a couple of times. Uh, so there's still that aspect of her, which I mean, my gosh, look at how old at her age at that time. Everybody has tell, like, tr- tell, uh, trouble telling truth, the truth, the power at that time of, in their lives. Uh, you're, you're starting out a career. You're trying to build a career. Of course, you're going to say no i didn't do that if you have the opportunity to uh lying on an affidavit uh may be a, a bit of a stretch too far but i mean other than that she hasn't really done anything to indicate that she is anything but a victim in this whole scenario yeah monica yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, I don't I, I mean, a victim in some circumstances in others, a willing participant in trying to get with Bill Clinton. You know True. what I mean? And continue the affair. Yeah. Um, and well, I think I that yeah. there is something to be said for Linda's point. She is asking her to lie in a, in a you know, and possibly go to jail. I mean, hey, what do they end up impeaching Bill Clinton over? Lying under oath. Yeah. And that's exactly what Monica's asking her to do. What do they say? It's not the crime, it's the cover-up. Exactly. It's the cover-up I, well, that I say this to my son. All. Yeah. I say that to my son like every day. Every day. Uh, <laughs> like, oh. Trust me, oh, you'll get dear. along better in life. Just own up to it. 
Uh, are we having problems with the Legos? Is that what's going on? <laughs> I know. I'm like, what's happening? It's Lego, Matt, not Legos. Oh, um, <laughs> you, you, you Lego snob. Oh, man. Um, on next week's podcast, Lego. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's a hard situation. She, and again, kudos to the actress. She's doing a fantastic job, but I yes. do kind of feel for Linda. Like it, it, it it's. She's asking her to lie. She doesn't know. It's so weird because we as the audience know the how terrible she's being and that she set up this whole situation, right? Uh-huh. So if she hadn't set up this situation, Monica wouldn't have had to ask her to lie. But we, it's, it's, it's a tough one, man. It's a catch-22. You don't want to side with Linda Tripp. But then again, this is what gets everyone in trouble. And I think... What do you think, what do you all think would have happened if she had said to him, I told Linda Tripp, she knows everything. Hmm. What, what would have Bill Clinton done? I'm, I'm, I try to think, I don't know if anything would have turned out differently. I almost feel like he would have kept the information to himself because hmm. in order to tell anyone on his team, he'd have to admit that he had the affair with her. That's true. And he, he, he can't even admit that he recognized her name yeah like well yeah she was an intern in the white house that's all he had to say like he didn't even acknowledge that um at that time when you know they said oh there's this name on here do you know this person oh no no i don't it's like well (laughs) okay um i mean oh yeah i go into what you were saying matt speaking truth to power She's she's in a situation where even if she did, I don't know that it would have had much. Um, she isn't like a total catch twenty two, rock in a hard place, whatever you want to call it. She got herself into a no win situation. It's true, it's true. And the option that she saw was, if I guess that she saw is that if I say no, then we're still at the status quo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you said, avoidance. Yeah. Practice the worst thing we all know. Whenever you practice avoidance, it never goes well. Unless you avoid Linda Tripp. Mm. (laughs) Practice avoidance. I'm an expert. (laughs) (laughs) All right, everybody. We've been going for like an hour and 15. We've talked about a lot of stuff. Matt, do you have anything else that you want to bring up or chat about? I just loved uh, the fact that you guys talk about this every week. I've enjoyed listening to you. I've enjoyed actually uh, talking about this particular episode and thanks for having me on. And I would give this episode four and a half cheese logs out of five. Nice. Yes. I like it. I like it. I think I would give this episode one beret, one stained blue gap dress, and two Lance nightgowns, um, which um, Linda Tripp was wearing like a Lance nightgown uh, Christmas morning, and those were very popular with the conservative girls when I went to college. Um, <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yes. I like to mix it up a little. Yeah, very little house on the prairie. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm. I, you know what? I'm just going to keep with the theme, and I'm going to go with four amazing Christmas parties from Linda Tripp just a a wonderful hostess still still 
being pretty mean to her friend. What's her friend's name that she can't even get a word in edgewise? <laughs> she's like, Susan. Susan can't even compliment her on her cheese log. Yeah, she's like, nice cheese log. God, your cheese logs are the cheesiest. I don't have time for this. I don't have time to be complimented about my cheese logs. <laughs> it's like, Monica, I will ditch you to talk to anybody but not susan okay let's talk <laughs> yeah that's pretty hilarious um all right gina anything else you wanted to say i think that's it i'm still just relating for waiting for them to release the kraken okay AKA, okay next week maybe or maybe the week after next maybe this is that's going to be the big like final two episodes yeah. boom boom the kraken in the house i don't know we'll i can't wait i can't wait we will be back next week and matt thank you so much for coming on everyone you can i'll put in the show notes links to the pod you're doing now check out double p matt is also tomorrow i'm going to be joining him uh on your pod and i think i'll probably throw it up on winterfell too which you created uh, we're going to talk about mm-hmm. game of thrones so I'll put the link up there too. So we've got a lot of pods coming at you. Thanks for your insights, your time, your energy. Everyone, thanks for downloading. Thank you so much for listening. We got a bunch more reviews um, on iTunes. Nice positive reviews, which I, you know, you always like that. We're still, we're still at a five, baby. We're still at a perfect five. So I like that. I'm gonna give a. a I'll wreck that. Oh, damn. No, that's like Donald. And I ruined it. Four. Matt, you remember back in the day in Lost, Donald would make up like fake names and give our podcast like one star and he'd like make it obvious that it was him. Yes. It was funny. It It was was pretty funny. It was pretty funny. I'd always laugh. But I do want to give a shout out to Hambone Jammer who gave us said great show and breakdown of each episode. We appreciate you very much. And uh, that's it. We'll see you next week. We don't have a guest lined up. It might be Tim Hines. We don't know. Um, He's kind of our floater. He's going to come in at some point. And maybe we could have Matt again, too, later in the season. That'd be great. I'd love to. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Peace out.